Hello and welcome to another episode of Trash or Treasure, the podcast where Kim and Amy bring you spoiler-free. I'm getting my notes ready. Reviews, recommendations, and recaps of whatever we read this week. And this week, before we even tell you what we read, have to apologize for the sound quality. We're concerned this will not be as nice as it normally is. That's assuming our sound quality is nice. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that (laughs) because we're having a slight window crisis today. That's a little bit noisy, but we'll just see how we go. Yeah. That aside, Amy, what did we read this week? We read The Dictionary of Lost Words Mm. by Pip Williams. Delightful. And this is a relatively recent publication. Yeah, it is. Like it was on a lot of must read 2021s or 2022s or something. Yeah. Spoiler free recap. Do you want to do it? Do you feel... I can try, but you'll have to just weigh in when you feel that I'm... I'm worried given the type of book it is that you're going to go... I'm just going to do like a little... too much detail. No, I'm just... I'll do one of my not enough detail. Great. I think this needs not enough detail. The, The basic idea of this book is it follows the life of a young woman called Esme Nicole from the... When she was like six in the 1880s. She lives in like Yorkshire or something. Oxford. Oxford. She lives in, like, Oxford University area. Yeah, town area. Until the 1920s, so that's the sort of period of it. And it's about the people who are putting together the first Oxford English Dictionary. Yeah. But she is just a kid at the time. Her dad's one of the assistants, the dictionary assistants, who are helping this real-life character who was the Dr. Murray, who was the He was the the actual editor editor of the first, yeah. yeah. So there's that sort of factual layer over it, that the dictionary was put together by Dr. Murray and there are a bunch of people in it who were real people. But the premise of it is the team was pretty much dominated by men. White men. And Educated. Educated white Educated white men in the Victorian era. So you couldn't put every single word in the dictionary and what was in and what wasn't in the dictionary were influenced by the values of the people who were building it. Yeah. And very early on, so Esme is allowed because she's like five and her mother died when she was born. So she just, it's her and her dad. So Esme is allowed to sit underneath the table in the scriptorium, which is the garden shed at the back of Dr. Murray's house where they are putting together all the dictionary. Yeah, putting together the proofs to be the sent pr- to the printers and stuff. So yeah. she just grows up sitting on the floor under the table. and She has a great respect for and love of the wor- of words yeah. and their meanings and understands kind of the power of words and the power of the way we define them and the way we use them and the power of writing them down, all of that kind of stuff. She really is yeah. reverent about the scriptorium and what the work they're doing But there. that's sort of – like she doesn't have a huge amount of friends her age. There no, are Dr. Murray's daughters, but mm. it's implied that they're of a different class and the person she's closest to is the Murray's housemate, yeah. Lizzie, who's – maybe 10 years older than her at the beginning of the yeah. novel. So she Lizzie takes care of her. She's quite a she has quite a unusual upbringing and is quite an unconventional young woman. So, and she also is in that weird class of educated, highly educated female in, kind of that like lower middle class but she's educated which makes her not really working class but she's also not really merchant class like she's just in this academic. I suppose she's in the academic. Yeah, class. in a in a period of quite significant 
change. Yeah, absolutely. So into the novel come, as she grows up, the suffragette movement starts to emerge and she makes some friends or associates who – associates, acquaintances. (laughs) (laughs) Some acquaintances who are quite heavily involved with the Emmeline Pankhurst side of things. She has some really – so there's a couple other characters who are really influential. Her – they call her Aunt Ditty a lady who existed in actuality, but obviously Edith Edith Thompson. Edith Thompson. And she is a significant contributor to the dictionary. Yes. But it's called the Dictionary of Lost Words because it begins with a proof, like all the words are written on little slips and a slip falls off the table and no one picks it up. Mm. So Esme takes it and the word on it is bond made. Mm -hmm. She takes that word and no one retrieves it. And she starts to think about, why did no one miss that word? Why are some words not included? Mm-hmm. And it becomes sort of her project and her purpose is to start collecting words that get overlooked. And these are often words used by women and women in lower classes. Well, and, class and lower classes across the board because those were, those in order to be included in the dictionary, you had to be able to show multiple, multiple literary and written quotations of the use of that word in multiple places yeah. for it to be considered a real enough word to go in the dictionary. But obviously if people who are uneducated aren't writing their words down and she felt that was a big gap in the history of our language, our language. and yeah. correspondingly who we are. Yeah. So it's about that how words have identities within them. And the words that you use construct identities. Yes. And the values that we have influence the words that we use Mm -hmm. and therefore influence our identities. But within that, it moves from the Victorian era through the suffragette movement and into into World War One. Yeah. And that's sort of the period of time it's occurring in. Yeah. And she grows up over that time and and ultimately it's a sort of coming of age story that also includes a little bit of like identity, finding her way in the world, finding her yeah. place in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Is that I think that's it. I think anything more than that is just gonna Was that okay? That was so good. <gasps> that was hands down your greatest spoiler-free recap. I thought about it a lot. I'm really proud of you. And that's why I had that big pause at the beginning because I was booting up my notes. You were so ready for this and I'm really proud of you. But I'm going to let you do the... I get to go first. You get to go first. It never happens. No. Okay, go, Kimberly. You have to ask me. What are your thoughts on Dictionary of Lost Words, which I always want to call Dictionary of Lost Worlds, Lost Plots. Lost, lost Plots, you, which is, isn't <laughs> it's that a, it's a Jasper, Jasper Ford, Ford Well book, of yeah. Lost Plots, yeah. I yeah. read it as a combination audiobook and physical book. Quite can quite recommend the audiobook, really liked it. I would say I really enjoyed the first half of the book. Really enjoyed the first half. I like little baby Esme, five-year-old or yep. whatever. I enjoyed watching her grow up and watching the things that kind of happened to her and her mature into a grown-up person. I really enjoyed her relation with her father. I'm going to take a moment here to acknowledge that we have taken a pause in sort recording. Out, <laughs> sort out the sound problem we were having. It has also resulted in us swapping sides of the recorder. 
I yeah, wonder if yeah, that's going to have an impact. If you're listening to us in headphones, we might have just swapped sides of your ears. Yes, yeah, so like, how it works? Hang on, Kimberly's voice was in my right ear and now it's in my left. Yes, we are on other sides of the recording. Huzzah, you're moving on. Delusional. Moving on. So, Kimberly, you were telling us about how you really liked the beginning of the book and you really liked the relationship between. Yes, right. And I, so I liked all of that, watching her grow up. I enjoyed her relationship with the woman who took care of her, Lizzie. She was really the loved servant. the relationship with Lizzie. That was really sweet. And I really enjoyed the relationship between young Esme and her dad. I thought that was Mm. really sweet and lovely. And her mum was kind of ever-present as this spectre is the wrong word, but he really loved her and held on to her. And He calls her by, by, he says, oh, Lily would know what to do. Yes, or Lily would think. And so knows her mother as Lily. Yes. But not as like, oh, I remember mum because she never knew her mother. So I really enjoyed all of that. It was really beautiful. And at one point, Esme gets sent away to school, which I don't think is a spoiler because, of course, that is what would probably happen to mm-hmm. a young academic. don't tell everyone what happened at school. No, no, because yeah. that would be a spoiler. Correct. I'm learning <laughs> what spoilers are. I know, but you don't, have to, you don't have to teach me. I already I don't know. <laughs> Pretty much, and I say she got sent off, at sc- off to school because I feel like that was, that was a shift, that was a turning point yeah. in the book. I would say I enjoyed the first, probably the first third of it the most. Then the third after she goes to school, I feel like you start kind of the next act of the book. I didn't mind. I thought that was okay. The final act of the book, it kind of intersects or um, includes the war years because obviously the book goes yeah, into World I War One. I. The final arc is like nineteen oh five, something like that, and then yeah. quite rapidly moves. It moves much quicker. World War yeah, I. it's and I think you've actually kind of hit on something that really impacted which parts of the book I seem to enjoy yeah. more than others, and that is the start of the book seems really slow, and I don't mean that as a criticism, like. I was really enjoying the meandering, which See, I don't normally. Those things where I'm like, I really enjoyed the world and the setup of the world. Yes. And very often you're like, yeah, but I want things to happen in the world. But this is a different kind of book. It this is, was a much yeah. more, it's... let's tell the life of a person. And it was a little bit more philosophical in terms of like the way words impact on us and a little bit about with little forays into gender politics and a lot of uh, class issues and a big focus on finding identity in a complicated yeah. world as a person who thinks deeply about things. That's that's kind of hard to do. So I was kind of happy to just meander along with Esme. But once you got – so the second act then moved quite a bit faster. The last act was like blink and you'll miss it. And The last I, act, like I remember it was about 1907 and then the next chapter was 1913. Yeah. And we hadn't missed that many years yeah. prior yeah. to that last It felt like the author the ran out of time. Like she was having a great time mm. writing her book, and then someone sort of said, "Rang up and was like, hi, hey, you realize Pip. this is you realize this is due next week, right?'" And she was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and I would say the quality of the writing for me deteriorated as the book went on. So we kind of almost like she'd written this awesome story and this awesome idea, the but writing didn't or the character. I mean the, the plotting. The, yeah, I mean okay. the plotting. Not. I don't mean the writing as in like it went from really intricate sentences to C spot run, but I <laughs> mean. The plot seemed very well developed and really well paced and thought out and really beautiful. And then it kind of reached this point where it just rushed to the end. And I found the last act, all of the stuff in and around the war, depressingly cliched. 
like, and I didn't think it was a cliched book. I felt like it was taking. It was a very interesting. It was a really interesting. Yeah, it was an interesting and fresh perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And then we got to World War One, and it was just like, oh no, no, this old chestnut. This is the story we have to tell because. It's World, World War One, and of course this is the story we have to tell. And then I found the ending really unsatisfying. So it's one of those books where it's in terms of a recommendation, say, yeah. yeah, I would recommend it with that caveat. Like if someone asked me, and I suppose you are asking me, I would say I really enjoyed it. It's a really interesting read up till the last sort of third of the book where I think it gets boring and it's very predictable. But in terms of, and I know this is kind of maybe spoilers for the very end of the podcast, mm. but I won't read it again because I found it so unsatisfying to read because I know So that, you would recommend it, but you won't read it again. Yeah. Well, I would recommend it with that caveat as in like, it's inter- these bits of it are interesting. And this is like my review of the Jane Eyre book was like Yeah, that. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. So I found that bit of it really interesting, but mm. I won't. It's for me, like, I won't treasure it because I will never read it again. But if you'd asked me when I was a third of the way in, I was quite excited about, Mm. you know what I mean? I was really excited about reading it. I was excited to pick it up. But, yeah, it didn't live up to its own kind of promises by the end. So that's my thoughts and feelings. What did you think of the Dictionary of Lost Words? I had a lot of thoughts to the point that I actually wrote them down. You I said got... that when you finished, or you finally, after a thousand years of yeah. getting around to reading the book, said, I'm done, I've written notes, I'm ready to talk. I thought that the premise was very thought-provoking yeah. and very engrossing, and that I really enjoyed. Like, I don't know whether you've read it, and you probably roll your eyes, I will never You've recommend it to you. have recommended this book to me 500 million no, times. No, I if haven't. I, okay. It's Longitude. Oh, no, you haven't recommended yeah, Longitude. Yeah, I haven't recommended Longitude by Dava, Dava Sobel, which is a non-fiction book about the guy who developed the first accurate watch for use in yeah. seafaring navigation. And I was like, oh, finding out the little dramas behind the scenes of a true factual event. Loved it. And so, I really like what you're saying. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed and don't normally read the afterword of the author where they're just like, thanks to Tiffany who helped me. Like it's usually a very quick scan. But for this book, I read that and the process she went through and all of the things. And so I read all about, you know, the real people who were in the novel and and how she did all the research. And that was really cool. And it was really also cool that she had like at the end and the afterword, they've got pictures of the actual people. And there's a scene in the novel where there's like a picture in the back where Esme takes the picture and she doesn't appear in this picture of real people. And they dress it in the novel going, oh, because you're taking it. I'm so sorry. You won't be able to be in it. When someone else comes and they take it again, you can be in it. And she was like, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's no big deal. Yeah. (laughs) So I I found that really engrossing, the the process, and it felt very well researched about how they put together and built and how all of these people contributed to the writing of Oxford Dictionary. Dictionary. That was fascinating and that was really engaging. But I completely agree with you about the later half of the book. That stopped being as engrossing in the last, I'd say, third or maybe quarter. Yeah. And the dictionary stuff and the words actually stopped being quite the central driving force. They totally stopped. The dictionary was still happening in a background kind of way. And she's still... She still sometimes engaged in that work, but not nowhere near as much anymore. The first two thirds of the novel, words and finding these words that are lost or omitted, 
as sort of her, that's her sense of purpose. Yeah. And that, for me, it felt like that was missing towards the end of the book. And but, it kind of just got put down over the course of her life, got busy doing other things, yeah. and she just stopped doing it. Yeah, but I um, agree with you that it felt yeah. like the author wanted to write a thousand-page novel but then had to really quickly wrap it up towards yes. the end. Yeah. So I found the pace very strange. Yeah. It was like you were... Going down a creek, meandering, having a good look at the scenery, and then all of a sudden, really unexpectedly, you hit these like rapids. Yeah. And then and then there's a waterfall. And then you're like, what what just happened to me? It's over. <laughs> that was sort of the emotional metaphor experience I had for that. I cried so much. When did you cry earlier on or did you cry at the end during the bits where you were quite deliberately being manipulated to cry? I cried from about, I guess, 1900 onwards periodically. But I cried earlier on, though, because there are a couple of moments where towards the beginning, like I, we all know that I cry a lot, but the sort of initial components up to maybe where she was adult, so she was yeah. post school hey there were so many bits that made me angry because it was that oh no you can't do that because you're female or you can't do that because you are in this class or i can't engage in this opportunity because the social structure structures aren't built to support it so i was like had a couple moments where i just had a frustrated tear so the first half made me angry and then like the second half or the last third made me so sad because all of these Things kept happening, and then at the end, I think because I cried so much, I wouldn't. I disagree with some of the reviews I've read of this book that call it uplifting. I wouldn't call it uplifting. No, because of I completely agree with how you've described. Wonderful listeners, we've tried so hard in this to not spoil. Yeah, this is a really. Though I guarantee book. you, if you've ever read a book ever, by the time you reach the point where I thought in my head, "Don't do it." Don't turn this into the book and the movie and the TV show we have all seen a thousand times before. Dare to do something different in this moment, and they don't. I was just like, fair enough. Yeah, You will know. When you get there, if you choose to read it, you would know as well. But, yeah, I agree with you. I found it really disappointing. At the end, it felt like... I was left being like, well, what was the point of that? Of all of that effort and all of that time we had spent with Esme, I just was left with this sense of, uh. Yes. I was like, oh, that finished. <laughs> Texted you. I've got lots of thoughts. Yeah. So it had it had some really strong and engaging female characters in it. The men were sort of ephemeral. There were, like, I really liked yeah. her dad like you did and that he was a really interesting. So you're in Esme's head and Dar, as she calls him, is always there and he's, yeah. you know, it's sort of essentially set in the Victorian and then Edwardian era and he isn't the type of dad that you'd expect. No. So I really real liked person. his character. Yeah, yeah. He he's... wasn't a stereotype. And that's what I mean. They hadn't used just, like, stereotypes or archetypes There was a lot of point. fantastic stuff yeah. in it. And there were some really fantastic and interesting characters. And then it just fell off a waterfall at the end. A waterfall of tears! Uh, mine was just like, ugh. Yeah, I could see your face. There was a lot of, I, Whenever I'm like, ugh, I know that you're half the time like, going. I bet Kim's scoffing. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> this will be Kim's so, scoff face. I am very interested, though. Like, I'm recommended that my mum have a read of it because yeah. I want to talk to her afterwards. Yeah. 
And I'm just really interested to hear how other people feel about that last third yeah. of the book. I think it's, I think I can be cynical about things like that. I will admit you can, but I you are you said spot on things. I I would recommend people read it for the premise of because it did make me think. That's a really awkward way to say like it what was, it was the story was telling. It was really thought provoking, and I did sit there and go, "That's a really good point. Mm. Things are omitted." Yeah. And then I went, I was looking at the dictionary my mum has, which she got, uh, someone gave it to her when she was in primary school in like the 60s and it's a Webster's American School Edition. So I went and I did the classic, let's look up all the rude words. Yeah. And that's one of the things that they talk about in this book just aren't there because people in the Victorian era were like, that's distasteful. Even though it's written down, we're making a judgment based on our values not to include it. So it's about like what we value. So I went and had a look and it did make me think a lot more about how much the values of the people constructing the points of truth yeah influence what we then think well, or what the we, words that we use but or also the values then, that we hold and also by controlling the words that we use yeah you can control the ways we are able to think feel and express what happens in our lives yes. or what, what we think yeah. and, feel and about that's things. really interesting and, and that's, that's massive control does. yeah so, so that mine, side of it was great I won't treasure it. I won't reread it, but I would actually recommend it. That's how I feel. I would recommend recommend it it because I think that you will you will emerge from reading it having some really interesting things in your mind that you might not have ever really considered before, but you aren't going to be satisfied or uplifted by finishing the book. No, because I feel like it was some really wonderful premise. Great premise that then. Because it was so thought-provoking and so thoughtful, I felt like it had made some promises to me about what our relationship was going to be like going forward, and then all of those you promises said, got broken. I felt betrayed. <laughs> felt betrayed. Yeah. The end of the book, I was like, no, no, and I just didn't know who you were. I'm going to say, <laughs> Netflix, whatever streaming service, do not adapt this. No, it won't work. No. Like, go and adapt Julia Quinn's Mr. Cavendish, I presume, which we think would be fantastic. Yeah, that Go would back and listen work to really that episode, nice. Netflix. That would work really nice Don't. Too. I know this has been a hit bestseller, but it's not something that needs to be. You need to see on screen. No, that's it. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us. A really weird consensus, but yeah, a super <laughs> like a very strong consensus. That's that's yeah, unusual. So I'm I've proud never, of us. I've well, never well. recommended a book that I don't intend to ever reread. Yeah, before. Yeah. yeah. Um. So thank you so much for joining us once again, and we will spend some time with you hopefully again next week when we bring you more spoiler-free recaps, reviews, and maybe very strange recommendations who knows for whatever we read and until then happy reading and just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you we want your recommendations the good the bad the interesting doesn't matter please reach out send us an email at trash or treasure podcast at outlook.com or we are also available at the world's most awkward twitter handle which amy has to tell you about listen to our twitter handle it's the greatest it's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? <laughs> and with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.